All right. So Community Sunday, just a day where we can get to really just focus on who we are as the church. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a position where, uh, like, you really need something. You Telcom. Uh, so many of the younger guys here don't even know what telcom is. Uh, it used to be the way we used to communicate with one another. Um, but telcom were classic for this. Uh, sometimes home affairs is like this. Uh, actually, modern day, sometimes MTN and, and Vodacom are like this as well. But you have an emergency. You have something that you need to be sorted out. And so you phone the service department thinking you're going to get service because you're a client. And what you get is this. Hello. You are number 73 in the queue. We value your call. Please stay on the line. And so you listen to this ghastly music, and uh, you wait, you wait, you wait, and about four minutes go by, uh, probably on your minute, but it feels like four minutes go by, and it says, we still value your call. You have moved up to number 72. Can you please wait? Who's experienced that? Yeah, all right. Sometimes you're lucky enough to get through to a service agent, and then this is what you get. Um, hello, sir. Uh, sorry, I, I'm unable to help you. No, 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 you can help me. It's there in front of you on your computer. You're seeing it. No, 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 sir. It's, it's above the authority. No, 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 no. Please don't hang up on me. I've waited three months and four days and 17 hours worth of phone calls to speak to somebody, and I know what's going to happen. You're going to transfer me, and it's going to get cut off. No, no, please don't. No, I'm just going to escalate it. We've heard those. I'm going to escalate it to someone that has authority to make a decision. No, no, please don't hang up on me. Beep. Start the phone call process again, right? We, we know that, right? The accessibility of people that actually have the authority to make a difference in our lives. It is so frustrating in a consumer and client and service driven. I, I mean, you kind of wonder how these companies build themselves on such a lack of service. And I wonder if Sometimes people who are desperate for help in matters far more serious than just getting your cell phone contract sorted out or a telecom line sorted out. Matters of their eternal inheritance and existence. I wonder if people feel the same way about the church. I just want some help. Uh, sorry, I, I can't really help you. I, I don't know how to. No, no, please, please don't leave me. No, oh, I can refer you to my pastor. No, 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 please don't do that. Just, can you just, I'm just looking for a conversation. I'm just looking for... I wonder if people get the long beep. I'm going to escalate it. I'm going to escalate it. I'm just looking for help. And so I want to talk this evening about we the church. As we are conformed in the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ, who are we to be? What are we to be like? What should be something of our testimony in the midst of people that need help, that are looking for service, are looking for eternal questions to be answered, are looking for marriages to be resolved and families to be resolved and sin issues and issues of struggle and addiction to be resolved, where people are looking for help, what do we give them? And so we're going to go and look at uh, two stories that follow on, or it's, it's actually one story, but there's two incidents that happen of Jesus, of how Jesus acted and behaved. And then he forms the church, and we are to be conformed in his image. And so we're to take our cue off of Jesus, not the world around us, as to how we should respond and behave. And so we're going to go and look at this text in Mark chapter 5, 
I'm going to start in verse 21. It's not going to come up on the screen because it's a lengthy passage. And so if you've got your phones or you've got Bibles, I mean, this morning I actually heard a hard copy Bible and pages being turned. I haven't heard that in ages. But uh, if you have an opportunity to turn there, Mark chapter 5, verse 21, we're going to go there. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him. And he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him, and they thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I just touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd that's pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? He looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened, to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said to Jairus, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? This child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him. And he went in where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talita Kaum, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Multiple things happen in this story of Jesus and his, his nature and, and where he positioned himself and how he behaved, which I think as we are conformed into the image of Christ, as we conformed in the likeness of Christ, it can help us determine how we should think about things, how we should act and behave as we go. And so the first thing we see here is that Jesus was accessible. Here he had a great crowd pressing around him, a great crowd. And Jesus was happy to do that. And so I wonder if we as modern-day sanitized, secluded, and isolated Christians could identify with Jesus who happened to enjoy walking with these great crowds pressing and thronging about him. I think today we, we like to say safe and sanitized. We like to withdraw ourselves a little bit. 
but it's not in the keeping with what Jesus' nature was, which was to put himself and allow the crowd to gather around him. When we read the text here, and we read there was a great crowd pressing around him, and the throngs about him, we're not talking about 10 or 20 people. The picture I have is back in the day when Jax and I used to go to uh, rock concerts and things like that, and you'd stand at either Kings Park Stadium or in Cape Town at uh, Greenpoint Stadium or wherever it was, and you were, it would be our desire to, uh, if we could afford it, and even if we couldn't, we would push ourselves towards the very front where everybody was just, the, the, the words thronging and pressing and you'd be in the front there, and people would sweat on you, and you wouldn't mind because you were close. You could see the person that was singing in front of you. You didn't have to look on the screens. And they would shout in your ear, and you didn't mind because there was a, your, your hero on the stage. And they would press against you, and they would bump you, and you'd look at each other, and you'd smile and wave because you knew no one really meant it, but everyone was pressing and thronging. This is the image of Jesus, that he was okay walking with people pressing against him, sweating on him, shouting at each other, doing all of this. Oh, does that look like our lives right now? Probably not. Please don't sweat on me. Rich, please, can we just separate these chairs just a little bit? Please, can we not shout in my ear? Please, can you not rub up against me and press against me? Please, can we not be in a crowd? This is not our Jesus. And as we phone the telecom or home affairs and we just desire to have somebody that's accessible to help us, Jesus made himself accessible as the crowd pressed against him. And so there is a major reason for us, the church, to gather together. The beauty of the story we read is there's this lady who has been struggling for 12 years, and she has spent all that she's had. She is a broken, devastated lady. And on top of that, the Jewish religious system has meant that she's an outcast, that she cannot be with other people because she would make them unclean. But what happened in this moment of desperation, because there was a crowd, she felt, maybe because of the crowd, I can hide myself in the crowd. My shame can be lost in the throngs of people. My insecurities, my disease, my uncleanness. Friends, I want to tell us that as the church, as we gather, it is important for you to be here. Not because I'm a pastor that, that needs people to be in the room, but because there are others, there, is the, there are people that are making the call, uh, you can get my metaphors, that are covered in shame and insecurity and caught up in addictions and needing help. And they don't know if they can come and talk to somebody, but if they can just get into the room where there's hundreds of people, they might be able to encounter Jesus. It matters that you are in the room. It matters when you choose to stay at home. It matters. And then there's this moment where this lady just reaches out to touch Jesus. And I wonder if in that moment, if Jesus had not been attuned to what was going on, would that lady's moment have come and gone? Did she just muster enough courage to position herself in the crowd, touch Jesus, and then be pushed away by a whole lot of people? What if Jesus hadn't noticed? 
See, this is what accessibility means, friends. It means I'm present in the moment, right here, able to attend to the needs. The disciples say to Jesus, there are a whole bunch of people pressing against you, and you want to turn around and say, who touched me? Because Jesus was able to distinguish the difference between those pressing against him and those touching him for life. And we live in today's day and age, Jesus in the town, I can picture this in the town square or as they're walking in a public space and, and hundreds of people and they're all pressing and they're all jostling just to get a look at Jesus, just to get a touch of Jesus. You know, our human thing, we, we, we want to be the guy, we want to be the people next to the famous guy. You know, in case there were photos in that day, we want to be the guy in that photo. We want to be close. We want to be pressing up against. And so we'll bump and we'll rub shoulders and we'll do what it takes to get there. We'll barge other people out the way. And then, but this woman wanted the life of God to flow and just there was a touch. It was different. And so in the public square, the public square today for us, friends, is Facebook and it's Instagram and it's TikTok and it's Twitter it's on the internet where we gather. That's the public square. And people are too busy jostling one another. We're so busy pressing against one another and bumping one another and causing irritation to one another with our opinions that we miss out on the people that are just crying out for the life of God. Just crying out for a touch of Jesus. Can we be those who are able to just... Slow ourselves down enough to differentiate between the pressing and the bumping and the, the jostling. And to know when somebody has just reached out for a touch. And so if we want to be accessible, friends, we've got to be in the market square. We've got to be comfortable with people pressing against us and sweating on us and shouting in our ear. We've got to be comfortable, but with our with our very bodies, with our cells, with our minds, with our hearts attuned for the ones that are just passing a comment of, I need Jesus. I need help. I need, because here's the reality. Most of the time, those that are crying out for that do so in a very quiet voice. And so as we conform to Christ, can we follow Jesus? Can we be the church that is not the one pressing and jostling, but we're comfortable in that space. But can we be the people that are listening and feeling for the touch? For the ones that are drawing on us for the life of God. And so a question I want to ask us is this. Actually, before I get to the question, I, I feel it's like, it's sometimes like this. On, on Friday afternoon, I was driving out to watch uh, some sport uh, in Belito, uh, some of my boys were playing there, and uh, it looked like, so all the traffic was backed up, and I saw some sirens. It looked like there had been an accident from where I was. It, thankfully, it wasn't that. It was just a construction truck with its lights, but we didn't know that at the time, and so it's all backed up, and then you get all these people that are impatient and just dealing with their own selfish, I want to get there quicker, and they start filling up the emergency lane. Now, as someone who has required twice ambulances to come in the emergency lane to, to get to my family, I am, it, like, it angers me when people drive in the emergency lane. Because own selfishness, our own selfishness gets in the way of people that really need help. 
And I think sometimes we can be like that as Christians. Sometimes because of our own pressing, because of us wanting to get our own opinions out there, because of us wanting to tell our own story, our, uh, because of us wanting to press, because of our own selfishness, we, not only do we, are we unattentive or inattentive to the touch of those that want Jesus, but actually we actually can become an obstruction to those that want Jesus. We can come here on a Sunday and we can gather in the coffee shop and are our eyes open to those that are, are maybe here on this property that are trying to hide themselves in the crowd that just want to touch? Conforming to Jesus looks like being accessible for those that need a touch from heaven. And so the question that just goes with this is, are we accessible for people dealing with matters of life and the eternal? Are we accessible for people dealing with those matters? The second thing we see is this, that Jairus' daughter dies. And there's this moment where somebody comes and just says to Jairus, doesn't say it loud, just says, Master, your daughter has died. Don't bother the teacher anymore. And Jesus overhears this. Overhears this. Now, I, I don't know if you role play, but it's, it's quite important when we read the Scriptures to actually think of what's going on because I think we can then appreciate something of who Jesus is. And so we've got to remember that what's happened is there is a whole crowd. It says a great crowd is jostling and is pressing against Him. There's a great crowd pressing against Him. The disciples even tell Him that He's ridiculous for thinking that somebody's touched Him because everybody is jostling and pressing against you and touching you. So that's the disciples' opinion of what is going on. Jesus has now just healed somebody. So can you imagine the conversations taking place? Can you imagine the celebrations in some part? The criticism, because there's always people that criticize. How can an unclean woman come amongst this crowd and now get healed? Because there's always those guys. But so there's all of this stuff happening. And so there's noise and people shouting and people jostling and people pressing and people bumping and people sweating on and people doing all of that. And Jesus overhears the quiet little voice. Don't bother him anymore. Your daughter's died. See, because Jesus' heart was directed by compassion, his ears were attuned to the compassionate cries. I'm very aware that this next example I'm going to give you, not everybody's had the privilege of experiencing, but I trust you can understand it. So I do, I do love being in, we would call it here in South Africa, in the bush, in the, in wild, in the amongst the, the wildlife. And uh, often you... You, you get to go on a, like a diesel engine, four by four. And as you're going, you, you're kind of going and you don't really notice the diesel engine because you're busy talking and you're looking for animals until the game ranger turns the diesel engine off. And then you realize just quite how loud the diesel engine is. And for about a minute, it feels like it's just silent. And then you suddenly realize... After about a minute, actually, it's not silent at all. As you start to experience the sounds of the wildlife and the birds and the bees and the bugs and the, all of that kind of stuff. And I think too often we live as Christians in this crazy world. We live with the diesel engine going, thinking that we will overhear the quiet, still voice that says, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. 
that dream is dead. Your marriage is dead. Your child is not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Your business is not going to make it. We don't get to hear those cries because the diesel engine's too loud. And sometimes we think that we are really godly and we'll have a devotion in the morning and we'll spend 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour. And that's good. I'm not criticizing that. But I think we've got to learn the art of walking with Jesus because in that hour, as you turn the diesel engine off, it takes some time before your ears can become attuned to the sounds of the bush. You don't hear it straight away as you turn. Your your ears have to be turned off. You hear silence, and then you start to hear the other noises. And so I think we've got to learn to walk as Jesus could walk amongst this pressing, thronging crowd, some celebrating at the healing of the woman, some criticizing that the woman was even there, some criticizing the Messiah for trying to heal a woman, a male healing a woman. Like that shouldn't have taken place. There were so many things right and wrong in that same situation. So many things. But we have Jesus attentive, compassionate, directed by compassion, hearing compassion. So I want to ask you, friends, I want to ask you, can we adjust our ears to overhearing in the midst of all of the jostling? As we are conformed to Christ, as we conform to Christ, can we learn the art of turning off the diesel engine, turning off the marketplace noise, turning off our minds to the craziness of everything that's going on, turning off for long enough to not just sit in silence, but to start to hear. See, friends, in this city alone, there are forgotten corners of our city, forgotten parts where people are crying out. This is not some political speech but we've got gender-based violence going on all over the show. We've got racism going on all over the show. We've got economic uh, inequality going on all over the show. What about those who are trying to cry out? What about those voices that feel ashamed, those voices that feel insecure, those voices that don't know if they have a voice? Can we hear? This evening, can we be a church that conforms to the image of Christ? And then the third thing we see is that we, the church, are powerful, even as Jesus was powerful. We see Jesus heal a woman for 12 years had been, who was devastated by financial loss and her physical condition. Heals her and then heals a, a young girl who has died and raises her from the dead. See, Jesus is powerful, friends, and we've got people that are in our city, in our workplaces, in our schools, that are crying out for help. They're making that phone call to the proverbial telecom because they just need some help. And so often our response is, I'll pray for you. One prayer is good. I hope you follow through on that when we say that. But don't, don't let me talk down prayer. But can we stop long enough to listen and hear and talk and open the Scriptures and introduce to Jesus? Do we believe that we are powerful? Do we believe 
that you sitting here have given your life to Christ, do you believe that greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world is not just a statement of you being able to overcome your own sinful desires, but also the power of heaven resides in you to influence and affect others? Do you believe that? When Jesus teaches us, uh, you will do even greater things than what I've been doing. Do we believe that? That as somebody comes to you, your default doesn't have to be, I feel inadequate. Your default doesn't have to be, uh, can I introduce you to my pastor? Your default can be, no, Spirit of God, who is alive and at work in me, may I represent heaven and the authority of heaven right now, and may I minister life and resurrection power to whoever is standing right in front of me right now. Because this is what being conformed to the image of Christ is. This is what is available to us by the Spirit of God. This is who we are. We are a powerful people. But I think there is a watching world. There are people that are crying out like the lady with an issue for, of bleeding for 12 years. And they come and they make a contact point with the church. And the person they contact, make contact with is the person on the other end of the consulting or the agency line which says, Sorry, I'll escalate it. Sorry, I don't have the authority to deal with that. No, 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 please don't put me onto someone else. I've just got the courage to come to you. I may not have the courage to speak to anyone else. This moment may be lost forever if you don't help me. Friends, who is Jesus to you? Do you believe that He is who He says He is? Do you believe that at His Word, all of creation came into alignment, that chaos came to order? Do you believe that He says, it is better for you that I go, that I may send another, that the Spirit of God may be with you, and therefore you will be my witnesses in all the earth, carrying the authority of heaven? Do you believe it? This is who Jesus is, and this is who He calls the church to be as He deposits the Spirit of God at work in us. Question, do we speak and display the power of God, the life and resurrection to people and their situations? Are we that church? I would love us to be that church, friends. I am amazed that Jesus, in the midst of the crushing and the pressing and the jostling and the noise and the people bumping him, was able to say, someone touched me. And in the midst of the shouting and celebrating and criticism, he was able to overhear the pained cry of a servant to his master. And he was able to deliver what they needed life and health. In the book of Esther, we read of a man called Mordecai, and it says this in verse 3, Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Xerxes, prominent, preeminent among the Jews, and he held, was held in high esteem by his many fellow Jews because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews. Friends, the church will regain its place of prominence and preeminence in society 
when we start to display the beauty of Jesus Christ as He came with compassion, as He came accessible, and as He came in power. And that's the invitation for us, the church, that we would work toward the welfare. We would work on behalf of the welfare of all the people. That's the call to us this evening as Anthem Church. Would you receive it, friends? Would you take hold of this Jesus? And particularly now as we go into sharing a communion moment together, Jax is going to lead us. And so uh, let's just remain in this, in this state of contemplation and absorbing the Word of God for us. Jax, why don't you come on up?